Wait Turn on the radio. Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though. Play I it hope you right. got in tune. Got he talking bigger business. Big he business. make a lot of moves. Lot of he talking Scott Katoon. I'm saying Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, and you're listening to Technory Live from WGN Radio AM 720 on this kind of dreary Saturday. Hope you guys are having a nice time. Um, so as preface with Amy, uh, we've got a pretty cool show ahead of us, actually. <laughs> it's funny, I never actually noticed that. I think I do say actually pretty much every every time we start the show. I should probably uh, work on that. Uh, I also want to make sure, uh, since I didn't have my sheet in front of me before, we kicked it to the news with Bob Kessler that was sponsored by Builder Supply Outlet. I don't want to miss them and uh, you know lose any cash. The station likes their money here. Um, so at any rate, we're going to kick it off to the show. I think, as I said with Amy, uh, we've got an interesting guest coming up. Uh, Dr. Rob Atkinson uh, wrote an article for Entrepreneur. Uh, our wonderful producer, Ashley, set this up, so that's very cool. Thank you, Ashley. Um, so here's the thing. I, th- I think you would find this surprising, um, especially if you're in the Chicago, well, really any tech community, that there are actually less tech startups, less startups right now uh, than there has been in the past few years. And Dr. Rob here is going to argue that it's a good thing, and you would think I would be like, no, it's not a good thing, especially in the business that I'm in, but I actually do think it's a good thing. Um, For the most part, I think Chicago probably has more startups than ever before, but I could see nationally, you know, maybe it's gone down a little bit. And also, I'd love to ask, I'm going to ask him, and feel free if you guys want to want to call in or text or tweet at Technori at WGN Radio, at Technori, at Katoon, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever device thing you use. Um, but I, I'm going to ask him a little bit about like what what is the definition of a startup? Because I personally feel like I go on a rant about this pretty much every time on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, technori.com, check out the podcast. Uh, I like to rant about the definition of what I think a real, I don't want to say a real, that's not the right way to go, uh, what I think an entrepreneur is, what I think a startup is. Because all due respect to those out there, let's say you're a plumber or you're, you know, contractor or whatever, <clears throat> not to say it's not hard work because it absolutely is. It's just as hard as anything else to get a business off the ground. The, the, what I think of a startup is, and to me, is something that's ha- high growth potential, fast growing, um, usually tech enabled, not necessarily, but usually tech enabled. It's disruptive. Um, and over the time, I think probably due to just the good marketing around it, people have like taken to startup terms and founder. Everybody's a founder. Everybody's a speaker, entrepreneur, which is just drives me insane. Um, so I'm interested to see what Dr. Rob says about that. Like, what is what is the definition? Because maybe the definition of of startup has made less startups because we've gotten a little bit narrower in our definition. But regardless, um, I've got a pretty strong opinion on this. I think. Uh, it's a good thing to have less. I think maybe people are starting to realize how not easy this this life and job is and how not sexy it is to be working seven days a week and just completely in your head all the time, uh, which is what most you know successful startup founders are like. They're, they're pretty bizarre. Um, but at any rate, so are we, we're dropping Dr. Rob in right after the break or is he coming in before that? Right after the break. Right after the break. All right. Well, then I want to give Dr. Rob as much time as possible because I have questions to ask, and I really hope that you guys ask questions too. Ashley, do we have the number? What's the number to call in here? We got 312-981-7200. I recommend you people call. You should call. We'll talk to me and Dr. Rob. Uh, We will be back after this. You're listening to Scott Katoon, and this is WGN AM 720. We're back to the Startup Showcase, joined by Dr. Rob Atkinson, uh, the writer from, uh, well, he wrote to a story an entrepreneur that caught our eye, caught my eye in particular, and um, I want to, like, get right into this right away. I'm not even going to preface it. Dr. Rob, thanks for joining the show. Hey, my pleasure. 
Uh, so I want you to, you know, just to set the stage here, this is going to be a good conversation. I'm very excited about it. Uh, set the stage on what you wrote about with reference to uh, less startups ne- is not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. So my colleague, Mike Lind, and I wrote a book for MIT Press that came out earlier this year called Big is Beautiful, Debunking the Myth of Small Business. And one of the myths out there is that uh, we well, the reality is we've had a decline of new firm startups, so there are fewer businesses starting than, say, 15, 20 years ago. But what, the myth is that that's happening because large firms are crushing them. And what we wrote in the Entrepreneur magazine was that we, really when you look at the evidence, that's not why small businesses are starting, are not starting as fast. And secondly, the really big issue is not, is you know, Fred and Sally starting a little pizza parlor in Chicago, the issue is what's happening to high-growth startups. In other words, somebody starting a company that they want to grow to be a $10, $20, $100 million company. And there, when you look at what's happening in the U.S., actually, it's pretty good. We're, we're doing pretty well on high-growth startups. It's just sort of lifestyle startups that have declined. So I have um, so we have like f- five podcast hours worth of conversation that we're going to try to jam into like 15 minutes here. Um I have so many feelings and thoughts on this, and and one thing that I actually did a speaking engagement not long ago about this subject on was that, and it's this is ironic that that we've got you on the show today, and then my my guest who's calling in uh, to pitch their company to us today is a is a connector of freelancers. Um, so it's mm-hmm. sort of an ironic thing that we've got this gig economy, and I personally look at this, and I and I talk to startups all the time about the fact that when you're not building for scale. I'm not going to say, I'm not criticizing anybody. Like anyone out there, you've got a right to do a business that you think you can build and you should, you should do it. Um, sure. But I think one of the problems that I'm seeing in the community, and I don't know what the reason is. I'm, I'm not an economist. I can't speak to this, but I'm, if I had to guess, I think it has to do with young people with having student loans and not having the same sort of infrastructure and job security and so forth that has existed for maybe their parents. But there is a propensity for these folks to come out and start a company that really was never built for scale. It never was had that never had the scalability. It wasn't going to be a hundred million dollar plus company and that's perfectly fine. But when you have a whole bunch of jobs that are created like that, do do not create jobs for others. They're based on whether it's gig economy or they're based on sort of, you know, nipping overspending in the bud on marketing or assisting or influencer. Those companies don't grow jobs. And that to me, right is the result that, that we're seeing here. You're seeing companies that just, you know, maybe it's just easier. Maybe it's just, you're, you know, you're happy to be a three person crew that makes a hundred grand a year and that's fine. Um, but I, I think it's, it's creating a ripple effect and, and that is what you're kind of speaking to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a couple of things, more things we look in our book is there's data from the small business administration. It looks at uh, job creation by new firms. And what they find is that for, New firms in general, uh, they create a bunch of jobs in their first year, makes sense. And then on average, until they get to about the year 20, you take it all, all the, all the companies that were started, let's say in, nine, in 2004, yep. they created jobs in 2005 and on net, they've lost jobs every single year. Yep. So what we're doing in the economy, a lot of companies starting, they create a few jobs and then they don't scale. They don't even succeed sometimes. But there's a much smaller number of jobs where you've got the entrepreneur who says, you know, I want this. This is my dream. I want to grow this company to become a real uh, thriving company. I'm going to employ a lot of people. Those are the companies that are the real uh, key sources of job creation in the U.S. economy. I, I fully agree with you. And, and that's actually where I want to kind of take the conversation next, because I will say 
Uh, to your point about the job creation and then loss, I mean, listen, for those of you listening out there, if you're wondering how that's possible, yet the company's still in business. And, and in a lot of cases, I mean, you mentioned those that are not in business, but a lot of them are still in business and thriving. Um, but what I think those who are on the outside looking in don't maybe realize is that during the times that you're mentioning, that 2000, call it 2003, pre-launched, four, launch, five, six, uh, launch growth. They're taking on excessive amounts of growth capital for people who see this as a gigantic opportunity to jump in and grow the platform and grow the people and grow the footprint and all this other stuff. Go to market everywhere. Um, And what ends up happening there is that once you start deploying tons of capital like that, which usually is in the form of hiring people to try to explore every opportunity to, to, to grow revenue, you find your niche, you find your sweet spot. And you start figuring out like, okay, we got, we, 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 we went to from 30 million in revenue to 150 in revenue, but it costs us 200 million to get there. So how do we sustain 150 million in revenue, but scale our spending back? And what they figure out is that there's different processes and, and softwares and things that they can use, develop, deploy uh, to replace people. And then they start scaling back and then they don't raise money unless they IPO uh, at that point. And, and now all of a sudden they start cutting back. The company's still healthy and strong in a lot of cases. But it's not going to be that big, you know, unicorn that that befit the name. Um, and so then you, we we pivot over this conversation to the part where you mentioned about companies that are the quote unquote real unicorns. And I'll use the example of like here in Chicago. I don't know if you're familiar with SMS Assist, but it's a it's a company that was launched and and grew over a couple of years, and it was about a thirty million dollar company. Then they developed some technology, and now they're a billion three or billion five when Goldman last put their money in, and they employ nine hundred employees. And in the next couple of years, they're going to employ twelve hundred employees. Uh, they're a real growth machine. But the, mm-hmm. the the big difference here is is that the individuals who founded and started and run that company are obsessive operators. They're not people who are just trying to like you know stumbled upon a solution that became a billion dollar idea. They were people who wanted to build a thousand person company. And I think that's a mm-hmm. big differentiator is that we're just not, I don't, and this is where I ask you, I don't, I don't know. Are we, are we not, are we not breeding these kind of people? Are we not teaching these kind of people? Uh, how, why are we not getting as many, or is it just over? We just expect too much from people. Like, why are we not getting as many uh, founders and, and people coming out into the world who want to grow, grow, build for scale? Why, why is it? Why do you think that's not, you know, happening? So a couple of things. One, uh, we did a study at ITIF, uh, the think tank I lead, uh, ITIF.org, and uh, we were able to get uh, business records from five, about five million firms from uh, University of Wisconsin data set, and uh, five million firms over the last ten years. So uh, startups, all startups in the tech sector. I so we have a few companies from- in that data set. <laughs> You, you probably do, absolutely. Uh, biotech, software, semiconductor, you name it. Uh, and what we found was actually there are more of them started uh, in 2016 than there were started in 2006. So at one level, you know, we're doing better than people think. Um, so the next, I'm, I'm going to speculate here because I, I don't have any evidence on this. That's but all the show one is, of the things, Dr. Rob. It's just, oh, it's just, just, just speculation. Just speculation. <laughs> Excellent. Um, you know, if you're going to start a company and you want to grow it from, you know, essentially one or two people, you know, you and your partner, partners, to a thousand or five thousand, it's an incredible amount of sacrifice. I mean, you're 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 going to have to sweat blood and tears. It's just. And, and you're going to think you're going to fail, and, you, and it is so so painful and hard to do it. And it just may be that a lot of people don't want to do that anymore. 
And there's a smaller segment of people who are willing to really sweat it out and really do what you need to do to get there. That's hypothesis. I don't know. I, I want to, I believe you. I want to confirm this with my own sort of conjecture, if you will. But I, I think I look at, um, at what you're talking about and I think it, it reminds me of, of like the real estate boom. It reminds me of all these different things that like got turned into a real thing. It was an opportunity. It was, it was a, bu- I don't want to call it a bubble, but it was a bubble. Um, <clears throat> and then people start marketing to make money off of the bubble, not even in it, but like tangentially off of it. And you start seeing it with mm-hmm. these speakers and entrepreneurs as Mark Cuban calls them who literally make it seem easy and fun and sexy. And you're like, you're going to go out and become a billionaire. And it's just like unicorns. We use these fancy terms and words. And in the end, it makes the, I mean, one, it, it, the, the reality is that more people flock to doing this that are unprepared for the fight or just literally just not the person to be able to scale a company. They're just not. Um, but also it sort of like notches up the community awareness on it and you start calling everything a startup. And in reality, if you scaled all the, all the jazz and the noise back, you would find that there are just as many, which is still a very limited number of you know, Fords out there. It's just a limited number of Steve Jobs. There's a limited number of Bill Gateses. Ju- there's the same amount. There's like one per billion people, whatever. One per million people is capable of such um, amazing growth, but we just have made it such a cool, popular thing that it it feels like there's a lot of failure when in reality there's just as much success as there always was. It's just a lot more noise. Does that make any sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, we've made it sound like it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a I don't want to say a hobby, but, oh, hey, if you don't want to do this, you can be an entrepreneur. Oh, and God, yes. it really, it really takes something inside, you know, almost, it's almost, uh, it's almost irrational to want to be an entrepreneur. It's almost like you, you got to have almost something have wrong with you. <laughs> I don't, yeah, you're a sociopath. There's yeah, I don't mean that in a bad way. It's fine. It's not a yeah, bad you, thing. You, it's just a yeah, you got to be driven. You got to be maniacal. And, and, you know, most people aren't there, you know, which is fine, but. There's a small number of people who do want to do that. No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I, I think it's just really, to me, very interesting. Um, it's a really interesting observation that you that you made. I, when I read this, I, was, I told Ashley, our producer, I was like, yep, book it. Because uh, I, I honestly could talk to you for hours about this. I, I look at this and go, like, if for those of you out there, if, I don't mean this to sound as condescending as it's going to sound, but if you want to you know, like walk up to a random startup person and just tell them like you're 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 a freelancer <laughs> it's a gig economy and to see what their face does because there, there's like this assumption of when i put ceo founder in my title that you are on the <laughs> same level as say you know like i'll use an example of a company here that was recently exited to kellogg with uh, peter ray hall and rx bar that's a person who literally married his job he made it like he mm-hmm. built this thing and realized what he could do. And now $600 million later, like, and he's still at it grinding, even though there's an exit and he has no responsibility. Uh, he just, I mean, he does have responsibility, but like, it's not the same. Uh, and he's still grinding. So I, I just think it's, it's a really interesting, uh, dynamic. Yeah. And you know, the, the, as you said earlier, and as we make it very clear in our book, big is beautiful. The, Nothing wrong with somebody wanting to start a you know company and have five people or ten people or whatever. More power to them. Yes, that's not what's going to drive the U.S. economy going forward. And and you know I guess I will I will add one more thing before we let you go uh, on this. I another this has an even bigger implication on this too is the is the funding. I think that when there's not as many opportunities out there that you think are big ideas, investors are throwing money in things that they shouldn't. Like, that's just the reality of it. Like, obviously, there's going to be hit and miss. That's that's the nature of any investment. Um, but I find that 
maybe there's a duty, not duty is the wrong word, but there's like a duty among the investors to maybe look at the ones that have a chance to really be built for scale rather than what's like a sexy get rich quick thing. And that, that I don't know. I, I don't know where I'm going with it, but it just, there's, there's well, some- when you look at the overall, sure. When you look at the overall VC as an industry, venture capital as an industry, the returns are not very good. No. No, they're not. Uh, in other words, there's too much money uh, chasing too few deals. Now, I think that's going to change over the next ten years. I think the, I think deal flow is going to get better for a simple reason, and that's the technology is creating will I I believe and I hope an enormous set of new opportunities that not quite here yet, um, but you know opportunities around AI and robotics, autonomous systems. Uh, Internet of Things. Uh, we're still a little early there, but I, I think those are going to be big, big deals, and there are going to be some entrepreneurs out there who can grow. You know, maybe maybe the next Google's, maybe the next Amazon's. Uh, at least that's my hope. I, I, I totally agree with you. I really do totally. I think we're going to have a little lull, and then it's going to pick up, and it's going to be it's going to be all roses at least for a little while. Uh, Doctor Rob yep. Atkinson, I want to thank you very much for taking the time on this one. You are welcome back to this show anytime if you want to reach out to us. Uh, whenever you're talking about a new topic or about to publish something, I would love to have you back on because I feel like we could do this for, for days. That'd be great. I'd love to do that. All right. Thank you. Yes, of course. And I want to ask you before you hang up, where do you where do people go to read more about your stuff and what you're doing? Sure. Uh, by the way, I am, I'm a Chicagoan, my a native. I grew up on, grew up on the north side, uh, so I have fond memories of Chicago. I can be. Everybody can look at uh, our website, which is www.itif.org. Itif.org. Very cool. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. You are listening to WGN Radio AM seven twenty. I'm Scott Katoon, and we are going to kick it to the news in a little bit. We'll be back after the break. Turn on the radio. My homie got a new show, and it's time to play it. Time to play I hope right. you got in tune. Got he in talking tune. bigger business. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon, and you're listening to Technoy Live from WGN Radio here in the Allstate studio. Uh, I guess it's called the Skyline studio, although we're not in that one today, but you get the gist. Um, so next up, we've got a, a, a great company calling in. Um, perfectly fit for the previous segment i mean literally couldn't have asked for a better a better fit for a company to call in and talk and and pitch and per the usual you can invest in this company on republic.co uh i think it's republic.co forward slash morning lighting or i'm sorry moon lighting and you can actually uh, go ahead and take a look at all the things that we're going to talk about but uh its founder jeff tannery is on the phone here and we're going to learn a little bit more about the company and then maybe uh dive into some questions about how it works and and who uses it so jeff are you there hello hey jeff how you doing good very good how you doing this i'm doing pretty well thank you uh so what we want to do is i'm going to give you three minutes and let you just straight up pitch this company to me uh and then we'll drop in with some questions and if anyone in the audience wants to fire tweets and things you can uh, reach us at technori or you can hit me at katoon on instagram and on twitter and if you're a, a facebooker you can get us at the same thing technori and katoon so uh, without further ado i'm gonna give you three minutes and go ahead and, and launch into what moonlighting is you got it. And Moonlighting is one of the fastest growing freelance marketplace in today's gig economy. Uh, freelancing is becoming a bigger and bigger deal by the minute, even with a great uh, you know, employment marketplace right now. You see, actually, there's a lot of people that are, aren't making ends meet and aren't able to actually um, pay for things because most everything has gone up exponentially cost-wise, but your wages and your payroll really has not seen any major changes. Um, so over the past four years, um, we have grown and built a mobile app and a website that's really easy for people to come in and 
showcase their unique skills, everything from we joke from fire juggling to skilt uh, skill walking to accountants, attorneys, designers, you name it. It's wide open to any type of skill that you want to offer. Uh, Moonlighting was originally called Craigslist without the creepiness in our early days. We actually uh, prefer what Forbes called us, which is the Swiss Army Knife for the gig, gig economy. We basically help um, and now have over 660,000 users on our platform that are basically promoting their jobs um, and looking to get hired exactly like you're ordering an Uber ride, but hiring at any given moment at any given time during the day so that people can make the money that they want to they wanna make. We're backed by the three largest news media companies in the U.S., uh, the Tribune, which is a, a you know a publisher of the Chicago uh, Tribune, uh, Gannett, um, McClatchy, uh, publishers of the USA Today, the Miami Herald. You'll find moonlighting in over 150 news media outlets around the United States where we're helping people find work, find jobs. Um, we've been a top 10 app in the App Store uh, for over two years now in the jobs category. And really what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the gig economy to the next level and bring freelancing mainstream. A lot of people uh, moonlight today. Um, we started the company four years ago. The three founders and myself all were uh, moonlighting. We had other jobs, daytime jobs. And really the theory we have is everybody should start to think about creating their own personal business. Um, whether you have a great job or not, you never know when, uh, you know, when, uh, Someone comes knocking and things change in the market. And we really believe that people should have, just like you have a diversified stock portfolio, we want you to have um, earnings and income that is actually diversified as well. So Moonlighting makes a lot of sense for really everyone, anyone who's looking to, to make extra money. Well done, well said. Um, so I want to you know, ask you a couple questions about the actual business here. So on the model, uh, one of the things that I read was you look at it like you're taking out the middleman and making it easier for freelancers. How do you guys do that? Yeah, um, it, when you use Moonlighting, it looks and feels exactly like you're using Facebook or any social media, LinkedIn, Twitter. And so what we do is we allow people to come, you know, come together. We bring two parties together so that one person can hire another, and it could be personal or business. And it's really just by posting on uh, on social media and then giving people the tools to be able to interact with proposals, invoices, payments, back and forth. And so what we do is there's no real need for that staffing agency. You think about uh, temp staffing agencies. A lot of them take up to 20%, 30% of your paycheck. And what, what resonates with people with Moonlighting is that we're not doing that. We don't take anything out of your paycheck. Our business model is really simple. We have a, a very easy uh, monthly subscription that's $10 a month, very affordable, for people to come in and showcase and promote and use the tools that we have so they can start their own business and grow it. And on the flip side, people can also come in very similar to a listings model and can come in and advertise various jobs inside the platform as well, making it really super affordable and super easy through the mobile phone. I really like that. I mean, I'll tell you, like, so I use uh, Upwork and things like that fairly regularly. Um, and so um, the, this is something I learned. I don't want to, like, criticize Upwork necessarily, but here's what I'll tell you. I mean, if you're sure you've done your research and seen all these other different places for this, but... Um, you don't like when I put a post out, like I, I don't pay a premium or anything like that yet as a, as a, as the job poster. Um, but what I find is that the premium people who I actually want never apply for the job. And, it, and they'd like to tell you that it's because like, you're not writing a, a cool post or whatever, but in all reality, there's a paywall. And so they've created this. There's like, a pay that yeah. is exactly right. And so that's it's like, you don't get really quality people. You just get it like randos that are like, yeah, I'm the best. And it's like, okay. So like as a hidden, there's, it's riddled with hidden fees. It's riddled and, and really like Upwork, and I, which, which has been around a long time. They take a cut of your paycheck, and that's really not fair to a freelancer well, losing that much. Cuts. I think uh, Upwork could cuts. be between ten and twenty percent. Yeah, ten to, and then what happens is people go off 
the platform with with moonlighting, we have recurring usage because people aren't afraid of it because they're not going to lose their paycheck. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, like, I'm not saying that like you guys shouldn't make money for connecting the dots. I just think. I, you know, I don't know. I guess when I first used Upwork back in the in the day, and you look at things like 99designs and things, like I actually kind of like, these are different, obviously. This is like crowdsourcing of stuff, although there's some, some parallels. But um, I just think it's a lazy business model. It's not lazy. I mean, they're, they're just making as much money as they possibly can. But it's like, it, it went from, wow, this is creative and convenient, and it was like, you know, I can pay a premium for not having to do sourcing of, of potential workers and so forth and then all of a sudden it was like oh we can get money from the businesses doing that and we can take money from the people who are actually doing the work and then it was like oh we can add more money to it so now you have to pay to actually like find people you actually want you're still paying a you're like paying a double it got to a point where it's like i'd almost rather just find a single person and, and just hire them like it's, it's that's exactly and what we looked at in the early days and i but we'd be lying to you we tried that model in the early days like four years ago and we saw that people didn't like it there was a lot of friction and really what happened was when we removed it is when we started to explode with growth because people saw that this, you know, moonlighting is more about a revolution and this idea around um, being inclusive and letting anybody be able to use the platform and really build, build tools that people can interact with so that they want to continue to use the, use the tools as opposed to posting on an Upwork or just, you know, many other ones that we like, they use it once and then they go offline and you never see it again. And those, that's why a lot of those business models really fall apart there and that what we're trying to do, what Moonlighting is solving, is helping everyone be a part of something, which is why we've grown so quickly. It's why we, you know, we launched the campaign to get our actual users uh, to feel like they can be investors in the company as well. Totally, totally good. I mean, I'll tell you the honest truth. Like, I probably make uh, make good on one out of maybe seven to ten of my posts on Upwork, like little gig. And these are just little gig jobs. I'm not, like, hiring people. This is, like, just do this one thing. I just posted a... And H, you know, create an HTML template for a newsletter, and I got like seven responses, and just they were awful, and clearly like not. It was just like you know, cookie cutter responses, and then nothing from the people I invited because you know what, I didn't pay for it, so that's what you get. Right. Um, where do people go to to invest in this campaign and learn more about it? Yeah, they can head to uh, republic.co uh, forward slash moonlighting. So our company is moonlighting. Our our website is moonlighting.com. But in order to invest republic.co forward slash moonlighting. Very cool. I recommend people go check it out um, if for no other reason than just to learn more about this because uh, I think one of the things that I like about your campaign is the fact you're making awareness for people who want to. Uh, I don't think it's not want to. I think everyone needs to find side revenue and side income. And in this day and world, uh, there's so many things out there, Uber, Grubhub, things like that, that you can do. And there's people who like to criticize it. But I really think that like I had a guy give me an Uber ride yesterday who was a teacher at a college. And he does this, he moonlights as a as an Uber driver. Uh, and I, I just think it's such a great way to supplement your income uh, if you take advantage of it. And then in all reality, it should not replace jobs. You're not going to live off of that for the most part. Um, but it's a great way to sort of uh, you know pay for the kid's college, which is going to be insane, by the way. So anyway, Jeff, thank you so much uh, for doing that. And people, you should definitely check it out, uh, moonlighting on republic.co. Uh, I am Scott Katoon. You are listening to WGN Radio AM 720. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with the last quarter of the show where I will just rant on with my thoughts from Dr. Rob. Welcome back to the Startup Showcase. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. You're listening to Technory Live on WGN Radio here at beautiful new uh, studios here at WGN Radio. <clears throat> I got a tweet, which is awesome. I keep telling you people to tweet us at Katoon and at Technory, and finally I got a tweet uh, from somebody asking a, a very direct question from the Dr. Rob uh, conversation. How and why do you define a startup company the way that you do? Little ambiguity there, uh, but the gist of it is ultimately 
I think what they're getting at uh, is why is it that, that it's like tech startups versus scalable companies versus the companies that Dr. Rob was talking about, which are like the ones that get scaled to a uh, you know, thousand employees and a hundred million valuation, whatever. Um, good question. Uh, so this is, I don't want to go on like a super rant, but that's probably where this is going to go. Um, let's start with the simple answer. Like the simple answer to this is if, if I were to look at this from an investor standpoint or an economist standpoint and the company pitches to me, they, they put their deck out there. I look at as an example, uh, well, let, let's look at moonlighting who just, just called and made a pitch. Um, I look at moonlighting and I think it sort of falls in between. It's got a platform. The platform could be grown. I'm not sure that moonlighting can grow into a thousand plus employee company that's worth billions of dollars. It depends. Honestly, it depends on the marketing. It depends on the users on the platform and how much money they're able to, to make from the transactions that are going on, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, it's a nice company. It's a, it's a good, potentially a good investment. That's a company that I would, I would rec- I would probably say if I had to go with my gut and said that it was going to, it worked out and everything was, was perfect. Uh, it would be a company that would gain some investment from people, uh, maybe tens of millions of dollars invested in to grow the platform, to make the tech tighter and sharper, and to onboard customer service people to be able to help recruit more, more, you know, more of the users and more of the the companies that are shopping on that you know space, the 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 end user, if you will. Um, but but likely it probably caps there, and that's not a company that you like build a city around. And that's kind of where this turns to the next side, right? So there's plenty of startups out there that are solving a niche. They probably get acquired for X million dollars, which is awesome. Great for the founder. We need those. They're great for the community. If you don't have those, call it the foot soldiers. You know, I'll give you an example. We talk about this Amazon HQ2 thing. If we didn't have 300 plus uh, of those million plus dollar, million to $20 million valued companies around Chicago, we wouldn't even be on the list. Yes, if we didn't have Groupon and, and the light bank companies and we didn't have, you know, McDonald's and Walgreens and things like that, we, we wouldn't be on the list either. Uh, but the reality is you've got to have an infrastructure and the, and the best tech communities in, in the country and in the world are the ones that have a strong bedrock of, of small startup companies that are, and, and again, difference being, uh, let's just look at the numbers here. So let's look at a plumbing a guy starts a plumbing company, girl starts a plumbing company, whatever. Um, the likelihood of that growing to 50 employees is pretty slim. A hundred employees, very slim. A thousand employees, almost not possible. Uh, you look at a company that solves a business problem that services the clients of SAP or McKinsey or somebody else, and you're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of businesses that are, are using the tool, that by its very nature is going to be in the 50 to 100 employees. You look at Spot Hero has got to be well over 100 employees now, and that's a parking app. Uh, will Spot Hero be able to become a thousand employee a CDW? Probably not. Um, we'll see. Mark Lawrence just did the deal with Waze, and and now you're going to have beacons underneath Lower Wacker, which will make it easier for you to get around uh, without having your your map blow up on you when you go under the the under the under the whatever under the street. Um, but he's going to have to take a major pivot to where he's building hardware, software. He's doing something with people that have to build, and and that that right there is the limit. You need. Call it 300 small startups uh, the size of us, the size of several million dollar size. You need, you know, call it 20 to 50 of the Mark Lawrence spot hero type companies. And you need like 10 of the companies that are like SMS Assist and Groupon and Grubhub and things that IPO and that are massive. And if you don't have that, your city is just not going to grow. There's not going to be enough jobs for people. 
and kind of what Dr. Rob was getting at was the big giant companies. The we're here in an all-state studio. The all-states and the and the state farms and those of the world. Not to put them together because obviously all-states better. I like blue, um, but the the reality is uh there are just not as many of them and, and they're being disrupted by uh, particularly in the insure tech they're being disrupted by tech companies that are smaller and leaner um and so there's like five or six tech companies that are kind of knocking down the giants and that means someone's got to fill that spot because we still have to employ people and i think the point that dr rob is making is that right now we're in a position where there's a lull because a lot of the people who have been called to action, called to arms in the startup world, were lured in by fool's gold. They were lured in by people who told them that they're going to build a billion-dollar company and yada, 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 but they've never actually been in a boardroom, so they had no idea what that looks like. And then you get there, and I can speak firsthand on this, you get into the boardroom with the folks that have built these gigantic behemoth companies, and they're looking at you like, what's next? They're looking at you like, where else is the revenue? Where, where else are we going to build this? Where are we going to get our troops from? How are we going to scale? Where do we go to new markets? And you're going, I just did this. Like, I just accomplished this, ma- ma- the biggest deal I've ever done in my life. And it's like, great, pat on the back, next. Um, and that that is a tough thing for a person to handle. I think the average Joe, as Dr. Dr. Rob was talking about, the average Joe isn't built for that. They're not wired for that. Okay? And so... It's a special sort of somebody who wants like the same kind of person who wants to be the president is the same kind of person who wants to be the CEO of a company, a little bit of sociopath, a big chip on your shoulder, hugely creative, driven to the point where you annoy almost everyone that's around you and you eat and breathe and sleep and drink. Everything is funneled into your business. It's just nonstop. You're really you're really a lot of fun to be around, Uh, but you are if you're around other people like you anyway. As I said, this went into a rant immediately, but the bottom line here is there are just different, they're like silos and we need all of them. There's no one, I'm not saying to anyone out there, don't start a business that's three people. Do, please do. Start five of them. I don't, whatever. But there's different lines that are that are just different and they have a different impact. And I think one of the things that <clears throat> we're facing next here is that to his point, uh, to Moonlighting uh, CEO uh, Jeff's point, when you look at the, the, the more, there's more people employed than we have in forever ago, uh, but they're all making the same amount of money or less than they made forever ago. And so, yes, they are employed, but they have less. We have less. So then they have to supplement that with side gigs and moonlighting, which is great. That's fine. You should do it. And then next to them is going to be people who are able to create jobs in the twos, threes, and tens. And that's great also. But then we need more people to step up and say, I want to be the 50 guy or girl. I want to have 50, you know, 50 employees. And then there's the next one that needs to step up and go, I want to be a hundred and a thousand and so on. And so I, I just, I caution those of you who want to get into the startup world to like, before we, we say this to every company that comes on, talks to us and takes private meetings at Technory, before I go any further with you, I want to know what type of company do you want to build? What do you want to be? Do you want to make, make a living and then go home to your family? Great. Let me tell you who I can introduce you to to help this happen. Do you want to be married to this and live and die by it? Great. I can I can help you too. Do you want to be a person like, you know, like, I don't want to say Steve Jobs, the bad example. Someone who literally, like years of their life is trimmed off because of the sacrifice that they have to make to manage and push a crew of a thousand. Do you want to be that? Do you want to be a general? And that's a whole different thing. It's really cool and it's also scary and crazy. So, you know, and, and those people, you know, they are one in a million. Uh, but at any rate, I just, to the, to the great question, um, very interesting. 
like I said, I could talk about this for days. I just, I, I, I'm very fascinated about the, what makes up the people who make up the businesses and we need them all. So every one of you out there, keep applying, keep starting companies, keep doing what you're doing. Um, and, and for those of you out there who are trying to start and don't know where to start, uh, I'm not just plugging it, but technory.com or republic.co is a great place to start because you can either catch the content in the podcast and learn, you know, who and how to connect with, or you can actually start raising money yourself. The people who are coming on our show right now, everyone out there like you can invest in them, which makes it to where they don't need to have that rich person who can get them off the ground. They can get off the ground by the help of everybody else and, and learn a lot along the way. Um, and who knows, maybe they end up becoming that, you know, next billion dollar company. So anyway, it's been a fun show here. We are going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back, um, with our, uh, with our news. 